You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramah Pishimish Israel, 5783-2023. This week, so if you're in Chutz Laaretz, you're reading Parsha's Naso. If you're in Eretz Yisrael, we're reading Parsha's Baaloscha. And I'd like to share with you a vort, an idea that connects the two Parshas, connecting the end of Parsha's Baaloscha and the beginning of Parsha's Naso. The measure says, Maxiv Lomalam in Inyan. The Medrash points out that at the end of Parshas Baloscha, it says, Shenemar, Yisrael. The end of Parshas Naso famously has the recurring korbanas, the korbanas that were brought by each of the leaders of the 12 tribes over a period of 12 days in the Mishkan during the Hakamas HaMishkan, during the dedication of the tabernacle. Yacherkach. And then the Psukim immediately after, at the beginning of Parshas Naso, speak about Daber al Aram, Balos Chasanero, speak about the fact there was a command by Hashem for Aaron HaKoyin to, to light the candles, to light the candles of the menorah in the Beis Hamikdash. And we need to understand what is the concept of the Korbanas, these 12 Korbanas that were brought, and what is the concept of the Neirais, the, the candles that were lit by Aaron HaKoyin, and what is the connection? Why are they connected? So Major tells us a, a famous concept. Says the Medrash. We have a puzzle. The puzzle says, Those who are holy, those who are God's holy ones, fear Him, and they see that there's nothing missing to those who fear Hashem. Those who fear Hashem, those who do God's will, they don't miss out. They don't lose anything. We find that when it comes to the Imparshas Naso, when it comes to the Karbanas that were brought by the Nasim, by the princes, the sacrifices that they brought, so 12 tribes were represented, but the tribe of Yosef was split in two. So Menashe and Ephraim both had representatives. Now, whenever we have 12 tribes, and two of them are Yosef, so Levi's left out. So who is the prince, the the highest, the representative, let's say, of of the tribe of Levi? It's Aaron. We find later on, in a certain, in another context, that Aaron is referred to as the tribe of Levi, the prince of the tribe of Levi. So Aaron didn't have an opportunity, as did the other Nassim, the other princes, the other representatives. He didn't have an opportunity to bring a sacrifice in the dedication of the Mishkan. Now, if you're the representative of Levi and you're not asked to, if you're a representative of a certain group of people and you're not asked to represent them, Everyone else is represented but your group. So then Aaron says, perhaps my Shevet of Levi will not be accepted by God as a result of the fact that I don't represent them. I didn't bring any korbanas. So interestingly, the Medrash makes it sound like it wasn't like a personal issue that Aaron had, which is actually quite nice with the idea that we're going to share. So Aaron was concerned about his tribe. What's going to be? How's his tribe going to be represented? How's his tribe going to 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 uh, have this offering, or somehow have a replacement for this offering? 
Hashem says to Moshe, tell Aaron, go tell Aaron that he doesn't need to be afraid. You actually are going to have a greater opportunity to represent your tribe. So that's why over here, the replacement, so to speak, or the parallel, perhaps you could say the parallel opportunity that Aaron had to represent his tribe was in the lighting of the menorah. Somehow lighting the menorah represents or corresponds to the sacrifices that the other 12 tribes brought, that were brought on behalf of their, that were brought by their representatives on behalf of the other 12 tribes. So the Medrash points out that there's an even greater advantage that Aaron HaKoyin has, and we need to understand this advantage. What's the advantage? As long as the Beis HaMikdash was around, so the Nesim, the the princes of the tribes, they had dedicated, they had been the first to dedicate something which would last, the Korbanus would be brought in the Mishkan and then subsequently in the Beis HaMikdash, for the next 850 years, they would continue to be brought, and then once again in the second base of English for another 400 years or so. So for 12, over 1200 years, we had the Karbanas. We had the sacrifices that were brought in the temple. So they dedicated it. It means that, what is the idea? It means that they were the ones who did the first time. They're the ones who got the ball rolling. Alright, so there's a certain power in getting the ball rolling on this. Says the measure something which is difficult to understand. But the measure says two things. First, it says that that uh, these candles, the candles that he was instructed to light, they would be lit. They will always be lit, which needs explanation because, in the simple understanding, so these these uh, the menorah is only lit when there's a base hamigdash. Mephorshim explained, it's not just referring to the candles of the Beis HaMikdash, but it's also referring to the candles of Hanukkah, which would continue to be lit on throughout the 2,000 years of Golis, the 2,000 years that we've been in exile, and until the third Beis HaMikdash is built, um, which, of course, were lit by the by the Kohanim, who are the offspring of Aaron HaKain. But the Medjusha adds something also which is very interesting. Medjusha adds another point which is also in the Parshas here, in the, in the Parshas Naso, which is the concept of the Levium, I'm sorry, the Kohanim were commanded to give brachas, the blessings, to the Jewish people, which in Chutzlaretz happens every single Yantif. Every single festival, the Kohanim get up and they give the priestly blessing. And in Eretz Yisrael, we get this blessing, Baruch Hashem, every single day. But this blessing is something which clearly continues throughout all time, right down to this very day. There were communities that would bless every single day. The, the Persian community, I believe, there's maybe other Sephardic communities. But at least a few times a year, the Kohanim, the priests get up and they bless the people. Now, what is the significance of the blessings in this context? It almost seems to be thrown in here, kalach yad, like in a just like slipped in the blessings. How do the blessings of the Kohanim correspond? We're talking about the balayshes haneris. We're talking about the candles. How do all of these things um, jive? What is the the let us say the the chutam the 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 
underlying theme that runs through the korbanos that they brought, and that runs through the menorah, and that runs through the concept of the blessings. So in order to understand this, I'd like to share with you the next piece in the Medrash, which brings Psukim from Zechariah, Perk Dalad, which are absolutely stunning. You must see these Psukim, the verses. I'll give you a little bit of a, a background on what's going on in the Psukim there, but you must see the beginning of, of Zechariah, of the Sefer, and Treasar, Zechariah. From the beginning, if you read, it's not a it's not a hard read, it's not a long read. The prophecy of Zechariah, and the prophecy involves the menorah, which is why our Medrash brings it. But if we understand what's going on in that prophecy, if we understand the essence of what Zechariah is being told by Hashem, by the Malach, who is instructing him and giving him the vision that he has, it has to do with the menorah, and it has to do with us. It has very much to do with what is the concept of the Korbanus of the Nesim, what is the concept of the Brachas, excuse me, the Brachas that the Kohanim give us, and what is the concept at its essence of the menorah? If we think about it, you know, why does Hashem need a menorah? Why do we need a menorah in the Mishkan, in the Tabernacle? Why do we need a menorah? As the Medrash is going to say, does Hashem need any light? Hashem doesn't need any light. There's a famous Rashi that tells us that it's like a blind person, that the, it's a whole... Hashem doesn't need the light. Hashem is the Pikeach who's able to see we're the blind people and we're turning on the light for Him. It's like a little weird. Hashem doesn't need any light. And even more so, I'll point out that the menorah is lit inside of a space which is completely closed. There's nobody there. I'm saying the, the Kohanim go in there in order to bring the Ketores, the the incense. They go in there to put once a week to put the, the Lechem HaPanim, the special showbread. For, for a week it's in there. Who's the light for? What is the concept of this light? And and once we understand the concept of this light, we will understand really what is the concept of the Korbanus, what is the concept of the the mitzvah of the menorah, and how does it parallel the concept of the Korbanus and the brachas that Aaron HaKoyim gave, that the Kohanim give to this day. El Menorah, the Pasuk says that the the candles, the they're not exactly candles as we think of them candles, but the lights of the menorah are to light in a fashion where they're facing towards the center of the menorah, right, the wicks on, this, on, on each side of the three, there were three on each side, three candelabra on each side and one in the center, so the ones on the side face towards the middle, on each side they face towards the middle, and the one in the middle faced forward. Um, so they, they, they face towards the Pnea <coughs> says the Medrash, what does it mean? It means that the words need explanation. We'll see what they mean shortly, but literally it means should not embarrass. There shouldn't be an embarrassment of the menorah. Says the measure something very interesting. The Psukim are talking about the the Pasuk is talking about a vision that Zechariah Hanavi had. He had a vision where he saw a menorah, he saw a golden menorah in his vision. And the golden menorah, above the menorah there was a pail. There was a some kind of collective device which was full of oil. And the oil was dripping down from the from this upper device into the menorah, into the seven 
candelabra of the menorah into the cups that were there in order to be lit. And on either side of this pail, there were two trees. It was the, the trees extended up from the menorah on either side up to the pail, and the trees were olive trees. That's the, the vision that he saw. Now, what is the idea of this vision? So, the Pasuk describes that there is an embarrassment. Who's, what is this embarrassment? There's, there's an embarrassment, there's a sense of something, is, something feels off and wrong. Now, we need to understand Zechariah. Zechariah was in the time, the, the very beginning of the second base of English, the temple was being built, or was about to be built, and there had been 18 years, there had been 18 years before the temple was actually built, 18 years before, before the time of Achashverosh, before the time of Esther and Achashverosh, so the king, there were two kings, there was uh, Daryovesh and there was Kairesh, Cyrus, Darius, one of them gave permission to build the base of English 18 years before, but then he rescinded the permission, he, he took back that permission, and so the, the Beis HaMikdash stood unbuilt, uh, a, a binyan that had, they had started building, but they didn't complete. And so there was a great embarrassment to the Jewish people. It seemed like they had permission, Hashem had promised that 70 years would pass, and then they would be reinstated, the Jewish people would return to the land of Israel. But it, it started, but it stopped. There's 18 years, it started and it stopped. So it was an embarrassment to us. It looked like Hashem for, 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 had forsaken us. Then, 18 years later, they finally got the full permission from their Yavish, Darius, the son of Esther. Finally, they had the permission and they were able to build. So now, Zerubbabel, was the, the king of the Jewish people, was named Zerubbabel. And there was a kind Gadol there, his name was Yehoshua. And Ezra and Nehemiah, they were all involved in the building, the final building of the Beis HaMikdash. And, and when you read the Psukim, when you read the Psukim, you see that the idea behind the, the embarrassment, and the idea behind the menorah is, the, what was represented by the menorah, what the message that Hashem was giving over to Zechariah, was a very simple and beautiful message. The message was, there's this menorah that we light, the human being lights. It looks like we're lighting, it looks like we're filling up the fluid, the oil that, that lights in the menorah. But there was a central, a central um, pail, a central vessel which held the oil, and that vessel was allowing the oil to go into the seven kinea menorah, the seven candelabra. <coughs> and this, say the psukim, represents the fact that Hashem is the one. It looks like we are doing it. It looks like the, we're the ones trying to build a base hamikdash. We're the ones who, and and it, and it gets stalled. It looks like the process of Mashiach is happening. It's 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 on its way, but it's not completed. And Hashem assures us, Look at the Pesukim, it's so beautiful. It doesn't come from your power. It doesn't come from your strength and your armies. That's not how the Beis HaMikdash gets built. The lighting of the menorah does not occur through you directly. It happens, you are the one who are going to light. But Hashem is saying, I'm the one, I'm the, the power, I'm the motor of the Mashiach process. This is talking about the second base of English, because that was a, a messianic moment. I am the motor behind it. It's, it's, it looks stalled, but it's not stalled. It's going to happen. 
There's there's nothing to worry about. And now this Medrash points out there are seven Kneha Menor, there are seven candelabra. Elushivas Haneris, the seven candelabra, Kneged Shiva Kacham Shemeshadam Echalaris. There are seven stars which are actually representative. These seven stars, the seven planets, right? So they move around in a different pattern than the rest of the stars in the sky. And they represent Hashem's Hashkacha Pratis. They represent God's eyes, as it were, looking here, there, and everywhere in the entire world. Hashem sends out His, I don't want to call them spies, He sends out, I don't want to call them video cameras, but Hashem is looking, so to speak, at the entire earth. He is by Mashgiach Hashkacha Pratis. He is involved directly in every single thing that occurs in our lives personally, nationally, everything. The Medrash points out what we said earlier. First of all, there's the concept of Ashkacha Pratis, which means that just as the menorah in the vision, the light that comes, the, the oil that comes into it, through which there's a light, that light is lit, that oil is placed into the menorah by Hashem himself, as it were. And in a similar way, there are seven stars that represent Hashem's Hashkacha Pratis, His divine providence, every single thing that happens in your life, in my life, in the world events, everything that we see going on, it's all HaKadosh Baruch Hu Himself. It looks like we are the players. But really, the seven, the multiplicity, it's all really one. It's sourced in one root. It's coming, it's pouring down. The Shefa comes down from one source, which is Hashem Himself. So, if you will think that Hashem needs my light, if you will think that Hashem needs my action in order to bring about the result that He wants, it's just not true. Don't make a mistake and think that Hashem needs our light. Look what it says by the windows of the Beis Hamikdash. We find that in regards in the Psukim and Cheska, which speak about the third Beis Hamikdash. So there are windows in the Beis Hamikdash. What are these windows? Well, we need light inside the Beis Hamikdash from outside. No, if you. If you come to Beit Shemesh, I'll show you some old buildings that are in the hills around Beit Shemesh. And you look at the windows. The windows are wider on the out. They're thick windows, meaning the, the there's a thick width of the window itself. <coughs> they're wider on the outside. I'm sorry, they're thinner on the inside. Let's get this straight. They're thinner on the outside, wider on the inside. They open up to let the light in. But in the base Hamidah of Yecheskel, it's the opposite. They're wider on the outside. And they're thinner on the inside because we want to expand the light out. Like think of a think of those me- megaphones where it's thinner on the it's it's the circle is smaller on the inside and it expands out to let the sound out. The light of the Beis Hamikdash is meant to go out from the windows. Hashem doesn't need the light from outside. the The light is coming. She would see in Oyer Lachutz. The purpose of the light is to 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 send light outwards. Hashem does not need our light. Hashem doesn't. The Beis Hamikdash, the Tabernacle, does not need. Light from outside. Hashem does not need us to light the menorah. Hashem could light the menorah himself, so to speak.
So what is the idea here? What is the idea here? So I'm skipping to the end because we're running out of time. The end of the measure says, That's so deep. It's, it's, we'll have to, it's, it's too bad we can't read this whole measure because it's so beautiful. But, Hashem's way is to take from the darkness to make light. In regards to my sabracious, Hashem brought light out of darkness. Hashem brought uh, reality out of nothingness. Do I need your light? I can make light out of nothingness. Right? The Pasuk says, It's in order to raise you up. The purpose of you lighting is not to give Hashem light. It's for you to be lit up yourself through your action of light. So the measure is saying something profound, so deep, it's so beautiful. It's saying that the idea of the menorah represents the fact that Hashem is the source of light. Hashem is the source of the light. The mikdash, the, the, the mishkan, the light shoots out from the mishkan. The spiritual light, it comes out of the mishkan. The, the mishkan is like a, a, a massive ball of, of explosive spiritual light that expands out. Hashem doesn't need us to light that light. But I can be zeiche. I can have a merit by taking part in lighting the menorah. I have an opportunity to recognize through the menorah, this measure is saying, that I'm not the one, I'm not the, I, I look, it looks like I'm the player, but I'm not the player. I'm just a, I'm just somebody whose the light is coming through. I might be zeich that the light, I, I can it'll help Hashem, as it were. I can I can open a, a petach like I'm 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 making a little hole in the wall so that the light can come through. It's not my light. I'm allowing the light through, perhaps through my action, but it's not my light. It's very nice because we we start to understand here the parallel between the menorah and the brachas, right? We said, why did the measure stick in the brachas, the blessings, which we do have right here in the parshas at the end of Naso. We have the, the blessings that the Kohanim give. But it's so beautiful, it's so profound. The blessing, what I'm saying, the Kohanim, they have a great schos, they have a great merit. The, what, is their, what is the special thing that we have from the Kohanim to this day? They get up in front of everybody, they stand, they say, Asher Aaron. We were commanded with the holiness of Aaron, to bless the people of Israel with love. Now, you would ask, you know, what is the great job of the important priests of the Jewish people? No, well, perhaps it's to serve in the temple, perhaps it's to it's to make bring offerings on behalf of the Jewish people represent us. The greatest thing that they do that remains to this day is that they bless us. They act as a conduit to bring the blessing of Hashem into the world to the Jewish people. They're just a conduit. They're just a channel through which Hashem brings a blessing. But there's no greater schus by being the ones that are lit up, that, that light others, that send blessings, bring blessings on the Jewish people. They, they receive blessings because of that. And this is really what we're trying to to understand in regards to the menorah as well. The menorah also. The lighting of the menorah is something that's an unnecessary action. Hashem doesn't need the Kohanim to light the menorah. Hashem doesn't need us to do this. But what it represents is 
that it's an opportunity for us to be raised up. The Kohanim are raised up by being the instrument of Hashem, by being the vessel through which Hashem brings blessing, brings light, spiritual light into the world, and recognizing that the light itself is not us. The oil itself doesn't come, the light and the oil doesn't come from us. It's flowing down from a higher source, from a singular source, from the upper source, which is Hashem Himself, down to the seven candelabra, which represent the seven days of the week, which represent the 70 facets of, of reality, which is all of us partaking in the light of Hashem. But nonetheless, the light that we have is, is just a reflection of His light. That's the concept of Malchut, it's number seven, it's Shabbos. And that's really what the, that's really what the Nesim were doing. The Nesim were opening, they were making an opening, they were popping a hole in the wall of beginning. Dedicate, I'm saying what? Because they brought Karbanas, so now all of the Karbanas of the next 850 years and then subsequent 400 years and the second Mesa Megas are all because of them? They just brought a carbon. That, what is the carbon? The carbon is me making an, bringing an offering, making myself less, making myself subservient to Hashem, saying that all that I have is yours, Hashem. I want to give it back to you. That's what it's all about. That's what this Medrash is teaching us. The Nasim bringing the Korban, it's the same exact Korban. But it's all the same exact subservience. It's all the same exact, exact surrender. Everything I have is not mine. Everything that I have is yours, Hashem. The light that I shine is not my light. It's your light that I'm shining. If I'm Zoich, if I merit to, to step, out, step aside, step out of the way. The blessings that I'm giving, if I'm a Kohen, are, are not mine. The blessings are God's blessings that I'm just acting here. Here's the blessings. I'm just wishing it upon you. It's a very beautiful and powerful deep idea. And that's and, and I want to bless you and I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we should recognize that there's a, there's a moment in time which parallels very much the time that we're in where stuff's moving. And, but, it's, but it seems like, hey, we got so much, but where's the base Hamikdash? Where's the temple? We need to remember, Hashem should help us remember, it's not us. If Hashem wants to use us as instruments, so so be it. But the the foundation, Hashem should help us to recognize that the foundation of all that happens in our lives, all the blessings that we receive, all of the success that we have, all of the all of that which we give back to God even, the foundation of that is Hashem is from Hashem, our blessings. Hashem should pour out those blessings upon us and help us realize clearly that it's all from Him. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.